This is from Justin McCain, a podcast where Mike Robertson and Bob LaRue watch one critically acclaimed film and one terrible film and talk about how they are the same. What's up, canines? How you doing? I'm Bob. I'm Mike. Yeah. How's that for a strong start, Mike? Very strong. Right out of the gate. I thought thought we'd say canines right out of the gate. Yeah. Um, Branding is important. Branding your fans is important. Yeah. They got to know who they are. And they are canines. Our loyal loyal pooping in the backyard canines. Yep. Yep. Taking them to the vet once or twice a year, depending on their health and age, you know. Mm -hmm. The whole, the whole shebang. Um, okay, Mike. Waking themselves up with their own farts. Yeah. Ooh, so I saw this video. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw this. Off topic so immediately. I, <laughs> <laughs> so I watched this video yesterday entitled, Man Feeds Farting Wombat. And uh, mm-hmm. he's holding a wombat like an infant child with his arm wrapped around its belly. And yeah. I didn't know what a wombat was, so I looked it up. And then this video popped up. And wombats can be like 60 to 70 pounds. They're huge. Right. This guy's holding it, and he's holding a, a cob of corn, and he's feeding it. Yeah, I've seen this. Yeah, I've seen this. Go and, on, and, go it, on. and it farts, and he's like, oh, that wasn't my. And then he starts <laughs> feeding it, and the wombat is so mean and aggressive trying yeah. to eat the corn. It's really uh, simultaneously disturbing and adorable, yeah. like one of the films we have picked for this week. Oh, very How nice. is that for a segue? Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to let the canine know, or beep, beep. just to let the canines know, uh, in case you hear it, uh, it is raining where we are. So yeah, if they hear uh, actually, background noise, it, it may start to piss. <clears throat> yeah, it may start. It might to... be pissing. Yeah, like yeah. a dog does in your backyard. <laughs> so, what are the movies, Bob? Uh, so the film that I was referencing before is uh, 2020's Wild Mountain Time. Yes. Uh, a nice rom-com. It's on Prime Video in Canada, so if you want to watch it, it's very easy to watch. Um, and our other film is 1962? That's correct. 1962's uh, La Jetée, a 28-minute uh, sci-fi film made by Chris Marker. Of the French New Wave. Of the, yeah, super French new wave, like uh, a film made of photographs. Yeah. And lots of voiceover. Um, Yeah, so Wild Mountain Time is a bit of a, it's a bit bit of a curveball. Just uh, because, uh, I don't think, I I hadn't heard of this movie until you brought it up because you had watched it and said, it's a stinker. Yeah, well, I mean, you know me, I love me a rom-com, and I was like, oh, Emily Blunt's in this? I'll watch it. And it's debuting on Prime Video? I'll watch it. And, and uh, Christopher, Christopher Walken's Walken. in it. Yeah. 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 So the cast is fun. John Hamm's in it as well. Um, so I watched it voluntarily on like a Saturday night because I was by myself, as I usually am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was expecting something like okay. And this just, it got worse and worse as the film went on. Yeah. It did start off in a, on a relatively okay note where I was like, why is this considered so bad? Because it's not actually so bad. But then, yeah, it just slowly is terrible by the end. Yeah. Yeah, it, it deteriorates. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. And I also wanted Mike to watch it because I wanted to punish him for no <laughs> reason. And I knew he would find it punishing. And did you? No, I actually was engaged in the romance. I was trying to, like, it was like, why won't they get together? Because the I entire know. movie is like a will they, won't they? But it, there's no justification or communication between the characters yeah. uh, for why they're not getting together. They're just like, and also everybody should know that they're all Irish or the characters are all Irish. So none of the cast are, but none the of characters the cast are, are Irish. And so they all yeah. have the worst Irish accents, including, and I think Christopher Walken takes the cake. He, yeah, he literally, <laughs> sometimes I'm like, is he doing an accent at all? I can you can never tell really. <laughs> I think, you know how like everyone has a Christopher Walken impression. Mm-hmm. There is not a single person on the planet who can do an impression of Christopher Walken doing an Irish accent. Yeah, not even him. I think it's impossible. Yeah. yeah his his weird stilted rhythm is once again front and center in his performance. And he does voiceover for the film. Yeah. So he's he's there from, you know, start to finish. And his first line is, welcome to Ireland. But, you know, in his terrible accent. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Ireland. 
That was pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. no, it's bad. That was like an impression, or, or like it leaves the impression of the impression without mm-hmm. actually, you know, being spot on. So yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Thank you. Um, yeah, so those are the two films this week. Um, I just want to get this out of the way. First similarity, both films are made of still images. Okay, hear me out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, because, you know, a film is generally is shooting 24 frames a second. Uh, or in the digital landscape, 23.976. But uh, they're technically still images, and La Jete <laughs> is famously made of photographs. That's correct, yes. Like a Ken Burns documentary, you know what I mean? The yeah. photographs move, and like there's zoom-ins and zoom-outs and dissolves and all that shit. Mm-hmm. But it's made of photographs, and I think that's one of the sort of most noteworthy things about the film. Yes. That, have, that it's it's left its impression in the, you know, the l- historical landscape of, Cinema. Another noteworthy thing about it is that it's uh, short, black and white, minutes, baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you can watch it on YouTube. So canines, you want a little bit of you know fil- free film school? Watch on YouTube. Yeah, a free slab of meat. Yeah, right there for you. But yeah. it also inspired the movie Twelve Monkeys. Yes. So if you've seen Twelve Monkeys, you've kind of seen La Jete. Yes. What does La Jete mean? I believe it doesn't it mean like the jetway. I think so. Because they're at that airport always. I guess another similarity is there's like an overabundance of voiceover or uh, yeah, voiceover narration in both Mm, films. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, I'd say there's too much narration in Wild Mountain Time. Yeah, but there it's Uh, also one of those movies where there's a lot of narration and then all of a sudden the movie forgets it has to narrate. And then 45 minutes go by. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, yeah, Christopher Walken is back. Yeah, he's narrating. narrating? Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's start contextualizing these uh, movies. What, what, what do you want to start with? I mean, you you do yours. You go okay, with. Okay, great. Yeah, you do Wild right. Mountain Time. So Wild Mountain Time uh, is written and directed by um, John Patrick Shanley, who has had a really interesting career. Yeah. Um, so he wrote and directed this film, but he's he's directed Joe versus the Volcano in mm-hmm. 1990, Doubt in 2008, and this. That's it. Yeah. What a what a what a filmography. He's more of a screenwriter playwright, and so obviously Doubt was based off of his uh, play Doubt, a parable from 2004, and then he wrote and directed Doubt the film. Yeah. Um, and he wrote and directed Wild Mountain Time, and he wrote and directed Joe versus the Volcano. But he's written lots of films. So wait, let me look it up here. So he's he wrote uh, Moonstruck, which was like probably his most famous film. Yes, as a writer, uh, Five Corners, The January Man, Joe versus the Volcano, Alive, We're Back, A Dinosaur Story. Mike, I know you love that. Oh, film. what? <laughs> He did Doubt and We're Back, a dinosaur story. <laughs> yeah, the same guy. Man's yep. got range. Yeah, the man really does have range, yeah. Um, and then he wrote uh, Congo, Doubt, and Wild Mountain Time. So it's interesting he's only directed three films. But he's written lots of stuff. I don't think he's directed any play. Oh, no, he has directed some plays. So he wrote The Big Funk and directed it. Mm-hmm. He wrote and directed Beggars in the House of Plenty. Never heard of it? He's... Uh, oh, you know what? The fan, the the canines are gonna love this. He wrote and directed Four Dogs and a Bone. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He also wrote and directed uh, Missing Marissa, Kissing Christine. Never heard of it. Uh, how about Where's My Money? <laughs> Never heard of it. How about Cellini? <gasps> really? He, he wrote that? Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about Romantic Poetry? Mm, like the concept? He wrote just some Romantic Poetry. No, it was Manhattan Theater Club off Broadway. Oh, okay. Nope. I have not heard of that. What about Storefront Church? Nope. Never heard of and it. And then so fascinatingly, and then so um Wild Mountain Times based off of the play Outside Mullinger, mm-hmm. which he wrote, and it's a Broadway show. It premiered in twenty fourteen. He didn't direct it, but then he adapted his own play into the screenplay and directed the film. Yeah. Which we're now talking about. And it's it starred Deborah Messing. From Will and Grace. Oh, you love that that's a thing. Yeah. Do so I? it starred, so it's directed by Doug Hughes. Don't know who that is. Starring Brian F. O'Byrne, Deborah Messing, Deerbla Malloy, and Peter Maloney. Oh. And I wanna so uh, I wanna read some critical response, okay? So uh 
Uh, Charles Isherwood from the New York Times wrote, Outside Mullinger represents Mr. Shanley's finest work since doubt. Mm-hmm. Mr. Shanley's lyrical writing and the flawless production directed by Doug Hughes give such consistent pleasure that even though we know the equations that define rom-coms will add up to the familiar sums, we are happy to watch as they do. So the play was quite a hit. Here's another fun review from USA Today. Had Shanley made Anthony and Rosemary, say, career-obsessed urbanites still living with their folk, uh, folks in the same apartment building, the story would seem ridiculously contrived. But by placing them in a rural setting where dating options are considerably more limited, not just by le- uh, less dense population, but by cultural and religious mores, he makes their plight more credible and, despite some hokum, intriguing. Mm, yeah, there was a good amount of hokum. <laughs> Uh, if Shanley is raising less complicated questions this time, there are flecks of wisdom in his sweetly diverting study. So uh, it was less reviewed or less well reviewed by uh, an Irish publication, uh, the Irish Times, describing it as mystifyingly awful and beyond the edge of awfulness. Yes, they also, the, the they Guardian also called it also hated it. Yes, yes. Um, so, I mean, I feel like non-Irish people loved the play, Irish people hated the play, and everyone hated the movie, whether you're Irish or not. Well, yeah, the movie just seems like it's, uh, establishing shots of beautiful Ireland, and then all of the characters are like, let me party a Guinness, you know? Yes, yes. And that may have been um, a bit of a Scottish accent, I'm not really sure <laughs> what the, I did there, but... Uh, but I will say, like, uh, Emily Blunt was good. Like, she was given nothing to work with, and I was like, dang, she's got range. Like, yeah. she's got the moves. As an actor, she's just super solid. Christopher Walken also, he did a pretty good job considering what he had to work with. I, sure, sure, sure. I think, you know, you you can only get Christopher Walken. You can't get anything else when you hire that no. guy. And maybe this is the hardest he's ever tried. To not be Christopher Walken, and mm-hmm. he still was. Yeah, he still Walken. he still was. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. My, my opinion about the film is that the it was miscategorized as a rom com because part of the uh, what makes a rom com is that it's one part rom and one part com, mm-hmm. and C A L M, right? No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean it was a very calming film, very low yes. low stress, low stakes, but um, yeah, it wasn't. There was literally not a single joke in the film. No, it wasn't funny. It tried to be funny, if I remember correctly. You've seen the film more recently than I have. Well, yeah, John Hamm is, I believe, the comic relief. Right. But he doesn't really make any, like, jokes still, so. (laughs) Right. Yeah, nobody really makes a joke, but it's still called a rom-com. Is it just because it's not so, it's not, like, so dire as to be called a drama? Well, it's not like a, you know, a romance film like The Notebook is yeah. not funny. It's like just intense Nicholas Sparks romance. And yeah. this has a levity to it without ever cracking a joke. Yeah, right. So yeah. so so I think I think the levy le- the 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 levity of it makes it seem or appear like a rom-com without any bits. Yeah. It's like a weird combination of rom-com like vibes. Uh, but with melodrama kind of as its genre in a weird way, because right, it's not like. But didn't they describe Doubt as a rom com when it came out, and <laughs> that didn't go over well at all? No. <laughs> um. So I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't know what a rom com is. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It seems like it was categorized as a rom com, but literally not a single bit of calm in it. So. Yeah. Yeah. C A L. Okay, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> what else do you got to tell us about Wild Mountain Time? Also, T-T-H-Y-M-E? T-T-H-Y-M, like the herb, yes. Um, Fresh herbs. Uh, to be honest, um, there's a, a real lack. I kind of scoured the internet for stuff on this film, and it doesn't really have much it was filmed in ireland which is nice yes um the that's that's really all i have to say i mean it got terrible reviews um its budget was 5.5 million and it made 1.3 yeah yeah i I believe it 
Yeah, it's just, you know, basically a turd of a film. There's really not much <laughs> to say. Like, even, you know, you, like, go all over the internet looking for fun facts on the production, and there's nothing to say. It's like everyone who worked on it just wanted it to be over. I have a similarity already. What? Oh, what? what is it? So, this movie is the same as Le Jeté in that uh, European landscapes kind of tell the story of the movie. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. A lot of there's also beautiful uh, Irish landscapes. There's a heavy use of air travel. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the uh, they're kind of trapped in rural Ireland, except for the you know escaping via the air airport strip, as it were. Um, I have I have one more tidbit of information. This is sort of neither here nor there, but also kind of interesting. So John Patrick Shanley when he was making Doubt, wanted Emily Blunt to play Sister James. Uh, the role went to Amy Adams. but So he's been wanting to work with Emily Blunt for a long time. Hmm. Um, and I guess this is the first time they've ever worked together. Hmm. Uh, but honestly, there's like absolutely... This is probably the most unremarkable film we've ever done on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely like if white noise, uh, and I mean that also in terms of just how extremely Caucasian it is, Yes, but if like yes. just white noise was a, a movie, so you could put this on in the background just to make a sound if you needed some sort of sound to fill your background. So, yeah, you know, when you don't want to be uh, in a quiet house, you need to fill the void with some sort of noise that mm-hmm. uh, has no impact on you emotionally. This is the film to use. Yeah, and like the the story of the film is basically that this farm boy Anthony. Uh, won't get to inherit his parents' farm until he marries. And he is constantly being propositioned by his neighbor, Emily Blunt's character, whose name I forget. And uh, 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 Wait, wait, wait. Uh, Rosemary. Rosemary, right. That's a little on the nose, isn't it? Also a herb. Uh, Also a herb, yeah. They should have just... Damn it. Yeah. (laughs) And like, Why, Why is it called Wild Mountain Time? Because they, don't because, they, because they always are constantly singing that song, Wild Mountain Time. Oh, Which I right. learned is more of a Scottish song. What the fuck? Yeah, so I think <laughs> John John Patrick Shanley, not sure if he's Irish, but seems like he, he just kind of was... No, he's American. He's born in the Bronx. Yeah, it seemed like he wanted to just... Well, I mean, a lot of people in New York are Irish. That's true, but he was born... Like, maybe his parents are Irish, but he's, he's American. He's born in the States. Hmm. Well, so like it's, you know, it's not like he grew up in Ireland. Yeah, it just seemed like he wanted to write a movie about Ireland, and it, it really comes off that way because everything is kind of so cliche. How mm-hmm. Irish farmers are represented it just seems just seems like a romantic version in the eyes of someone who doesn't know anything about it. And I'm speaking yeah. as someone who literally knows nothing about this, also. <laughs> so. <laughs> So in the movie, there's like a will they or won't they kind of vibe going on the entire time. Yeah. It's never clear why they won't mm-hmm. until the end where there's like a big reveal, which is not clear if it's literal or not. Right. And this is a spoiler, but it's also kind of what makes this movie interesting and worth talking about where the she's like, why don't you love me or uh, in her Irish accent? And then he says, because I'm a honeybee. Yeah. And then. Yeah. He just kind of leaves it at that, and then she's like, "You can't, you can't marry me, even if you're a bee." And he's like, "No, I can't." And it's it's very unclear whether that's supposed to be taken 100 percent literally or if it's some sort of like metaphor. And if it is so a metaphor, my, it's very bad writing because. Yeah, I think the only way it works is if it's a literal thing, and he is in his mind's eye a bee stuck <laughs> in a man's body. Yeah. And uh, he wishes he could fly. He's got a little stinger, you know, and... Uh, he does a little dance to communicate. Yeah, yeah. He barfs out his uh, food, <laughs> and that becomes food. Yes, yes. Um, I, I think he's a literal bee, thinks he's a literal bee. Yeah. And uh, maybe there's a deleted scene where, like, he's dressed like a bee, and he's going to, like, you know, get get nasty with Rosemary but they cut that out because it was like, you know, two on the nose or something. Who knows? Or maybe it was too much ROM. Well, also, I just remember there's a scene in the movie where he practices proposing to her to a donkey. Yes. And then there's this weird guy who just kind of like peeks behind 
The um, old dude. Yeah, the old dude. He just kind of peeks behind whatever little mini brick wall is around. So he's like a paparazzi, but for rural Ireland. And then he um, spreads rumors that, that Anthony proposed to a donkey. And I think that's supposed to be the comedy in the film. I think we were supposed to find that funny. but they And then because they kept going back to that. I mean, I, I can, on paper, that is a joke. On paper, and they keep repeating that, just that one joke, so. Right, right. Well, isn't there a scene in La Jete when the main character uh, goes back in time and... Uh you know proposes to a donkey and then he and then he goes back to the present day and they're like why why would you do that and he's like what what and then the experiment was over yeah like you're not going to be the ex- the person we're experimenting on anymore if you keep proposing marriage to donkeys and he's like what uh, i want to was that that's a my french, french accent? accent oh goodness. yeah 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 geez okay all right this is the episode of bad accents all so right you posited that maybe he's a like a insect version of a furry a fuzzy? A, a scaly? No, a fuzzy. A fuzzy. Yeah, yeah. Fuzzy. Yeah, because he's a big fat honeybee. Exactly. Ooh, wow. Uh, that was sultry there, <laughs> Mike. My goodness. Um, you're making me feel weird. Um, yeah, I think I think he's maybe, uh, I have a fan theory, um, and this will be coming out in my newest uh, fanfic novel, Wild Mountain uh, Times. Mm-hmm. Um, where he uh, he dresses like a bee, and then he goes to like a you know a, a whatever of a, a fuzzy conference and has <laughs> sex with other bees. Uh, and he loses his stinger. Yeah, multiple times. Multiple times. Um, here's a similarity between the both movies. Okay, between both movies. The both movies. Between the both movies. So in Lajete, he's able to transport back in forward in time but via his memory yes and he encounters a woman who he kind of like connects to it's this woman from his past that he's kind of has this obsessive memory about mm-hmm. and so that's by like connecting to this woman in his memory he's able to like visit her time and then they like you know hang out there's definitely a will they or won't they kind of thing going on with them so there's a similarity right there yes 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 i totally agree the similarity I was getting at was also that his reality is very hard for her to understand. Like they talk about how he's from the future. Well, that really cool tree trunk scene mm-hmm, yeah. where it shows the, the, you know, the rings of age. And then he points outside of the tree and says, that's where I'm from. Which that's, is that a, was a really cool moment. That's a reference to vertigo. I learned. Yes. Yes. And 12 monkeys took that uh, even further and literally plays Vertigo in the film there you go. as part of a 24-hour Alfred Hitchcock festival. Oh, I figured, yeah, I figured it would just really hit it over the head. Terry Gilliam's not a subtle filmmaker, <laughs> so... <laughs> He's also not a subtle thinker, it seems like. No. Just whenever no. you hear him talk these days, he's he's basically making that, like, transphobic, my gender is a helicopter or whatever the hell kind of joke that like conservatives have like the one joke they have yeah yeah. but um anyway so the monty python fellows have fallen far in 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 my mind i guess yeah although historically speaking i believe they all hated him the whole time oh really and he was never like really a member in their eyes yeah even though he directed all the films john did all the animation but john cleese occasionally will say something kind of either transphobic or uh, that's true pro be- yes. pro brexit maybe so yes yeah yeah he uh, yeah I, I think they are all pretty conservative like clint eastwood you know they fall from grace i think michael palin and eric idol are fine i bet they're fine probably at least eric idol yeah. yeah yeah eric idol seems chill he just seems like he just will take any opportunity to be on tv or on a podcast so he can sing always look on the bright side of life and be like <laughs> i wrote that song you know and talk yeah. about it the, yeah, the pythons, the pythons. Um, okay, well, we should talk about La Jete because literally, there's nothing. I was on just gonna. Wild. I didn't finish what I was. My thought was. Oh, though. oh, I should, yeah, yeah. I should sorry, probably sorry. edit out all that Monty Python crap because it's so pointless. But um, <laughs> no, keep it. Uh, but anyway, the point I was trying to get at was that uh, his reality is hard for her to understand, and that she is a one of them's from the future, and then in the other movie, he is a bee. Right. So she can't understand. He, who he is because he apparently is a, a bee. But can a bee be said to be or not to be an entire bee? 
when half the bee is not a bee due to some ancient injury. Singing. One one could argue、um, that in a way, in Wild Mountain Time, Emily Blunt's character Rosemary represents their future because she wants them to be a couple、uh-huh. and to like build a life together and be be you know farmers and whatever and combine their land, blah blah blah. And he has this sort of refusal. So in a way, it's like he's not willing to go into the future because he's held back by something. And、that's、I think、right. that's true. That's true of the main character in Lejeune as well, because he's offered a trip to the future,、mm-hmm. and he then asks to go to the past to re- to be with this woman, and then the the plot twist happens. Also, both films consist of a plot twist. What's the plot twist in? Oh yeah, right in Lejeune. La Lejeune. It it opens with the jetway, and the little boy watches a murder, and then、yes. you realize. That and you know, spoiler alert: big slab of meat about to come up here.、Um, uh, he witnesses his own murder because his future self is killed in that time, and、uh, that's also the sort of what Twelve Monkeys is predicated on as well. Yeah, But the plot、right. twist in Wild Mountain Time is that your boy Anthony's a bee. <laughs>、uh, it's so true. So yeah,、dumb. I'd I'd say that's a plot twist. Yeah, not a good one, but a plot twist nonetheless. Yeah, like yeah, Rosemary is a a woman from his past, and they have an ill-fated romance.、Uh, not unlike the woman from his past in La Jetée, exactly. Who he can never be with.、Um, do you have anything else about Wild Mountain Time? Honestly, no. I wrote down four sentences, and I've 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 spoken at length about all four. There's like a, it's shocking how little information there is on this film on the internet.、Mm. Shocking is the word I would use. Not as shocking as when I was shocked by the line "I'm a bee," but <laughs> but pretty shocking. Um, I think I think both movies are about prison, in a way. Okay, okay. Because the Lejeune, the character is literally a prisoner. Yeah, and also he's like he can't escape from the present, no matter how hard he tries. It's true. Um, and um, I think actually. Uh, Wild Mountain Time is actually kind of about these characters who are prisoners because they're prisoners of like Irish culture in a way. Like they're stuck in rural farmland.、Um, like try as they might get out of there, they they kind of are drawn back to the, the ways of life there.、Uh, and then also like there's these gates that separate their property that they have to like go and try and open whenever they want it. Whenever they want to like leave. And so they're、right. like gated in,、uh, and also they there's like nobody for it. There's so few people there where they、mm-hmm. live. So they he's like I think the big problem with the movie is that Anthony feels like he has to marry Rosemary, or that Rosemary feels like she has to marry him just because like who else do they know? Right. They don't know well, anybody. There's, there's another parallel、um, in the scene in which Rosemary flies to New York to right, hang out、right. with John Hamm. And then she's immediately brought back to Ireland, like、mm-hmm. within 24 hours. And that's similar to the main character in Lejeune, constantly going to the past and then being tugged into the present. Yeah, it's like she went to the future, really. In she, she did. The, I think New York represents like modern culture within the context of the film, whereas she's like part of this old tradition of farming in rural Ireland. Well, also I, the Irish immigrated to New York, right? In,、um, you know, back in the old days. So、yeah. it's like kind of the future for the Irish people to like basically move to North America in a、mm-hmm. in a sense. So yeah, yeah. Wow, we're just friggin' brilliant. I think both films also、um, are、uh, experiments.、Mm, okay. Okay. So like La Jeté is like a cinematic experiment in that it's、uh, just audio mixed with still photographs. Yes. And it's a compelling piece of science fiction. And Wild Mountain Time is an an experiment in can I make the worst <laughs> screenplay ever into a film and have people watch it? And the answer is yes, people are watching it. Yeah, we watched it.、Uh, you got two yeah, views sure out of、did. it. Um, so I think you know they're both like cinematic、uh, experiments on their own level. Oh yeah, I wanted to point out the plot description on on the、uh, Amazon Prime app. Like Prime、mm-hmm. Video, a pair of star-crossed lovers in Ireland get caught up in their family's land dispute. 
And it's like, oh boy, that is going to be thrilling. <laughs> Describing them as star-crossed lovers is so inaccurate. Yeah, it's like Romeo he, and Juliet were star-crossed lovers. There's never a will they won't they in Romeo and Juliet. It was they will and they're going to die. Yeah, but in this, it's like will they won't they? Probably not. There's a B subplot. You know all this stuff. <laughs> That's a terrible descriptor for a film. Yeah. Um. But. You know, the land dispute, exciting stuff. Truly, truly. Yeah, but you mentioned that Emily Blunt's character loves ballet. She goes to New York to see a ballet show, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, similarity is La Jetée. Sounds like a ballet move. Yeah. Well, I, in fact, uh, thought it would. It, I would actually say it is a ballet move because I know nothing about ballet. So I'd be like, a jeté. La Jetée. I did a, yeah, a Jetée is a move. I believe is it's it actually? different. It is. Yeah, it's spelled differently, I believe. I did oh, ballet for go. two years. And um, jeté is like one of the first things you do when you're learning the fundamentals of ballet. You did ballet for two years? Yeah, in high school. Uh, did you do two years jazz tap? Uh, no, I dabbled in jazz tap. Like I took a workshop once in jazz tap, mm, okay. but it was mostly just like uh, ballet. Ballet is great. Good fitness. That's good. Yeah. Can you stand on your tippies? Um, yes. Still can my 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 big fat tippies. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, well, I'll let you know that I'd done a workshop too, a clown workshop. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll talk I took about... this workshop just despite you, Bob. <laughs> I was like, I feel like I I'm love gonna, clown. I feel like I can use this in the future. When uh, this is what I thought when I took the clown workshop, I'm gonna use this right. to to dig at somebody. I really need to learn how to play again. Yeah, you do. That's nasty. We need to, we need to get, make you take a play workshop so we can learn Ugh. to play. Ugh, no, thank you. All right, so I'm gonna um, I'm gonna do Le Jeté right now. I'm gonna talk about. Yeah, some let's talk about it. Film. This is the far more interesting film, I think, to talk about. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to there's a lot to talk about. You could talk about this movie for more than just one episode. You know what? Can I bring up another parallel, really quick? I mean, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um, both were both films were directed by um, directors with sort of bewildering careers. Hmm. Okay. Because I think Chris Chris Marker his his career is really strange. How so? Um, like I, the, from what I gather, the projects were all quite different and sparse. Um, and like a lot of it was like pseudo documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the same way, uh, Shanley's career, he only directed three films, some of which would be, would be like 10 to 15 years apart. Yeah. Um, and he really didn't direct a lot of theater either, but then he wrote a lot pretty extensively. So I think, I think they're both like kind of odd filmmakers in their, in, in how their career shaped out. I would, uh, I would agree with that. Yeah. Well, good. Um, cool. So yeah, the, uh, Le Jeté. As a 1962 mm-hmm. science fiction film uh, directed by Chris Marker, mm-hmm. who is French from France. Yes. Uh, it's made up of entirely, almost, of still photos. And it tells a story of a nuclear war experiment in time travel. Uh, it's shot in black and white and is. 28 sweet minutes long. So it's a real mm-hmm. easy, quick watch, especially when high or not cool, depending on your experience. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. um, it also inspired, I would say that's another similarity. You that? could watch both films high and have a very unpleasant time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Le Jeté is made up entirely of uh, optically printed photographs, it says. Uh, however, there is one actual shot of film, as in like motion picture, uh, and it's like the shot of the woman waking up. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it is a photographs only kind of vibe going on. And yep. uh, very cool little movie to watch if you're like want to learn about film editing, because mm-hmm. yeah, why not just use still photos and then just like the speed in which the photos change kind of gives you a sense of rhythm in the film. So I thought that that was like, I remember watching this movie in film school and that was kind of a thing we talked about. So I think it still kind of holds up as something that is a very uh, important movie for budding film scholars to watch, I think. Absolutely. 
Uh, also, Chris Marker probably wanted to have more like motion picture shots in the movie, but he could only afford to rent a, a camera for one afternoon. Mm. So they shot the film with uh, a Pentax Spotmatic for the the still images, and then the thirty five millimeter Aeroflex for the pretty much like one shot of a uh, motion picture. And as I'm, oh yeah, okay, we already talked about that. I don't need to read it. Uh, so yeah, Chris Marker is part of the French New Wave. Uh, in particular, there's like two little segments of the French New Wave. There's the left bank and the quote unquote right bank, which were the the right bank people were like the Caillou de Cinema people, like uh, Truffaut, yeah, Godard, all Gad- those fuckers, Godard, right? Ch- Claude Chabrol, right, right. And like the yeah the so the right bank people or like the Caillou de Cinema people were basically like film reviewers, um, journalists, and they also were like movie buffs. Like they were really into American film, so that's why if you ever see a movie like uh, Godard's uh, A Bout de Soufflet, that being Breathless, or yeah. um, uh, Truffaut's Shoot the Piano Player, which in French is I think like uh, Shoot le Player de Piano. <laughs> I don't know how wow. to say that wow. in French at beautiful. all. Beautiful, beautiful. I just made that up. But um, probably like thirty percent accurate. Oh yeah, I'm sure most of it's. But anyway, uh, so they were like film buffs, kinda, and they mm-hmm. kind of used their obsession with movies, American movies, kind of, and they reflected it in their own films. And they also kind of skewered or like flipped and remixed, you know, concepts from American film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Breath is being a great example because of how it's like a gangster film, but it just kind of does its own thing. Mm-hmm. And it has mm-hmm. a few things that are suggest a gangster movie, but then it just is basically about these two characters hanging out in a hotel and smooching a bunch. Uh, and, oh yeah, they smooch big time. Yeah, and the the gangster stuff's kind of just a background subplot that mm-hmm. is almost forgotten about most of the time. Uh, anyway, so the left bank people, which Chris Marker was a part of, part of, they were kind of older and they were more like multidisciplinary artists. Uh, and they also saw film as kind of a more of a, just an art form and not so much like kind of like a, like kind of like literature or paintings and stuff instead Mm -hmm. of just, you know, movies. So the difference between film and movie is a good way to like delineate the two banks as it were. Yeah. They kind of emerged at the same time, and they also were not like competing ever. Really, they always supported each other and advocated for each other. So, it's uh, nice it wasn't competitive. I think that's really refreshing. Well, yeah. Why would it be? I think a lot of people well, like look make... at them as like a dichotomy, where it's like these these guys versus these guys. Which who? What team are you on? Like who you wit? You know, Joey Cracker, yeah. Ferrari F eighty. So, wow, yeah, very good. So, Joey Crack being Fat Joe, I believe. <laughs> This is a this is a rap reference, and Ferrari yeah. Fitty is Fifty Cent. So um, Mike knows his rap. I do, everybody. yeah, yeah, yeah. So other members of the Left Bank, aside from Chris Marker, Elaine, Renee, I'm just butchering these names. Agnes, <laughs> Agnes Varda, Varda. Yeah. yeah, love love Agnes Varda. Yeah, she's amazing. Uh, everybody should check out uh, the Gleaners and I, a documentary about people who just kind of like pick through potatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just her kind of like documenting these people just sifting through like a pile of potatoes for the whole movie. <laughs> and there's, it's just kind of about art and it's insane kind of this movie. So mm-hmm. everybody should watch that. Also other people, uh, Jean-Pierre Melville, Aline Alain, 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 I will say, you I'll tell just, me. Alan Rob Grillet, <laughs> Marguerite wow. Duras, and uh, Jacques Demy. Nice. And Jacques Demy, I think, made like Umbrellas of Schuerberg. So yes, he did. He kind of yeah, made those he, like he, musical movies. Well, he, he uh, yeah, and like on movie right now, I think the, four of his films are yeah. on there. And they're all like fucking stone cold classics. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, another left bank filmmaker, a uh, little guy named Steven Spielberg, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, Isn't Ready Player One considered a left bank film? I mean... Because of its, uh, you know, it it, it uh, dissects Western culture and plays with tropes and blah, blah, blah. Well, I mean... I, Am I wrong? You're not wrong. 
Okay. All right. They're I'm definitely to fuck with you. I think he was the yeah, Spielberg's probably of the left bank of no, he would be of the right bank of the film brats. Right. Or right. movie brats, they were called. And then Shanley's uh like North Bank. Yeah, he's North Bank. Because Ireland's like, a little further north than uh France. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway, so a little bit of history about Chris Marker. He was a journalist. Mm-hmm. He wrote for a Marxist magazine called Esprit. Of course. Uh, where uh, he met Andre Bazin there, who famously created uh, Cahiers de Cinema. And um, yeah, so Marker wrote for Cahiers de Cinema eventually. So, I, you know, if the Cahiers boys are the ones that are like, a specific group. Why did he not fit in this? I don't know. Cause he still wrote for it. Why was he not? Why was he on a separate bank? I think it's just because of the style of movies. Cause I think he was more of a essayist than he was a like narrative person necessarily. Yeah. He made more documentaries most of the time. Yeah. Proof of that. While he was making Le Jeté, he was also making a, a nearly three hour long documentary called Le Jolemier, uh, which came out in 1963. And he just kind of interviews people on the streets of Paris about, uh, their personal lives as well as like the political issues of the time. And it's like a freaking epic just documentary about what people were thinking in 1962, I guess. And mm-hmm. a lot of people incorrectly attribute him to Cinema Verite. Chris Marker like rails against that. And he says he prefers his own term, Cine Ma Verite, meaning cinema, my truth. What a little wordsmith there, you know? Wow. Yeah. What a clever man. Just Very like clever. Steven Spielberg. So anyway, that's all the facts I got about Le Jeté. I mean, there's so much to say about this movie, but it's also like, I mean, read a freaking book at a certain point, you know? Yeah, like do your own damn research, <laughs> canines. Like, God, we don't have all day here, Mike yeah. and I. We don't freaking um, have all day. It is, I do think like... Uh, it's just the, the the it's so polarizing the viewing experience of these two films mm-hmm. like juxtaposed like this might be like one of the most polarizing combinations we've ever had because La Jete is like an astounding film yeah and Wild Mountain Time is the most like blah piece of shit we've ever had on this movie yeah or that, on this podcast I I feel like if you recognize one you don't recognize the other yeah uh yeah. I would be surprised if totally. someone knows what these two movies are. Well, that's why, you know, uh, heroes like you and I are on this planet. That's why we were put here. That's right. By the canine god to, uh, you know, to inform the people that these films exist and you should watch them as a double feature just to really perplex yourself. (laughs) Yeah. But also it's a bit redundant, too, because they're, as we've stated, the same film. Um, Yeah, they're virtually identical. Yeah, virtually identical (laughs) movies. (laughs) Um. Uh. Yeah, I think La Jete is like. Uh. Well, I want to talk really quickly about. You know, there's like a long history of time travel in filmmaking, mm-hmm. and in in like science fiction storytelling. But the time travel in La Jete is really interesting mm-hmm. because it's this sort of purely psychological way of traveling where it's like he's not actually going, but he's changing his memories. Yeah. By reliving moments. And then he, he keeps being thrust back into the present. Yeah. And uh, it's just sort of like this fascinating, ambiguous exploration of time travel, whereas most films, when you time travel, you just get into a little bubble or a, you have like a briefcase or like a watch or something or a car, and it literally takes you to that time. Yeah. Um, but this film's like a more poetic sort of lyrical way of exploring time travel, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, because uh, it's like if you can perceive a different time, you can live in it, man. Yeah, freak, freak, yeah. I guess that's the same as Wild Mountain Time, where like if the characters they feel they're trapped in Ireland, but if they can perceive like New York, they could live mm-hmm. there. Hey, absolutely, you can escape. Absolutely, if you if you want to. Uh, I, oh, another big similarity between the two films here, Mike, and this mm-hmm. is a bit of a departure. Just like how there are departures in both films, because planes are departing from the airports. Yeah, um, there's a, a death in both films that are that's sort of catastrophic. Oh Christopher yeah, Christopher Walken's right, yeah. character dies, 
and he's the voiceover narrator, and he keeps narrating after he dies somehow. Yeah, um, but then obviously the main character dies in Le Jeté in the really sort of astounding plot twist that the mm-hmm. film ends on. And also uh, Civilization dies in Le Jeté, and I think, I think the whole world of 2021 died a little bit when this film came out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say in both movies, characters are wearing blindfolds. Uh, One of them on. is a metaphorical blindfold. Obviously, right, right. <laughs> in because in Le Jeté, the character, the the time traveling guy is like wearing a blindfold in order to like get into his his memories, or maybe it's just an aesthetic choice to make it look futuristic or dystopian, right? Um, similarity in the other one, just the characters are blind to their love for each other, you know, and they choose to not Preach. see mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um. And then also they choose to be to wear blinders on their horse, like they put horses on their they put blinders on their horse. They can choose that blind yeah. blindfold. But then also the metaphorical blindfold that is being a bee in your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, both both films have the uh, a character, a male character, wanting to be something they can't be. Mm-hmm. They can't and, be. Uh, and exactly, B E E. Um, so obviously, Anthony can't be a B, and the main character from Le Jeté can't be the partner that he wants to be to that blonde lady. That's right, because he's obligated by his circumstance to be a time traveler and prevent the end of the world. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, also similarly, so this film came out. So Wild Mountain Time came out in the middle of a global catastrophe, a.k.a. COVID-19. And, Your boy COVID. Yeah, and uh, La Jete, um, uh is a post-World War II film, but also uh, depicts a nuclear uh, holocaust. Mm. I mean, when we did that episode about Akira, and that was kind of about World War III also. Yeah. Uh, and they we compared it to uh, a talking cat. Yes. Um. We kind of were able to connect the dots and suggest that a talking cat kind of happens in a similar kind of post-war techno dystopia. Mm-hmm. Would you say that Wild Mountain Time could be potentially like a post-war something or other? You know, uh, they they show the landscapes, but maybe it's like the world's been devastated and the and the greens are growing back. You know, like the the grass totally. is growing back and. And uh, yeah, all of the buildings are kind of covered with, with uh, greenery and moss and stuff. And then yes, it's a land dispute because like land is a vital, precious resource. And then go and then traveling to New York is all in her mind. She yeah, manifests right, right. John Hamm's character. Yeah, John Hamm doesn't actually exist. He doesn't he's actually like exist. A, he's a vessel representing the past. A well, past that no longer exists. He's such a cliche. He's like a businessman in a fancy suit who shows up to a farm on a Rolls Royce and is like mm-hmm. from America. And he just seems like, yeah, Americans are like this to a Irish farm lady and a f- Irish farm lady is like that to a American bro. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, of course she, he's just a cliche. So he's just a figment of her imagination so she can escape via the ballet. Mm-hmm. The one piece of former culture that she clings on to so she can feel sane Meanwhile, yeah. meanwhile, her uh, her ill-fated lover to be uh, is a bee. <laughs> to be a bee. Yeah, he goes mad from you know the the post-war isolation and right. starts to believe he's a bee, and he uses his uh, metal detector to mm-hmm. just try and find pieces of the former society that crumbled. Right. Right. So anyway, I think Wild Mountain Time is more interesting as like a post-World War Three dystopian vision. Yeah, yeah. I than agree. it is as a quote unquote rom com. Yes. R O M dash C A L M. A rom calming film. It is calming, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um is the line not to be or not to be? It that is, is to be question. or not to be, that is the question. Um, and I would say, uh, you know, that's a twofold, it's a two-parter for Wild Mountain Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the question to be or not to be is posed in both films. Okay. Yes, Hear yes. me out. Um, 
to be or not to be is Anthony's conundrum. He wants to fall in love with Rosemary, but he is a B. He is to be, but he <laughs> feels be. obligated not to be. Yeah. And dare I say, the main character in La Jete wants to be in the past, but cannot be because he's in the present and the future. And then once he tries to stay in the past, he is killed. And also, Wild Mountain Time wants to be, but it's a bad film, so it can't be. You yes. know what I mean? You, yes. p- you picking up the slab of meat I'm throwing down? Honestly, that would be worth scatting. Just as a, re- a callback to a previous episode. I'm a scat man. Um, anywho, that's just my little, that was just a little deep dive into my brain for a second there. That was brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you could do a ballet dance to that little monologue I just gave. I, I think. mean, you could. I don't know how to do ballet. You do, apparently. Right, right. I used to be a lot more flexible, and let me tell you, I would struggle now. It's been oh, yes, years. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, um, okay, so, like, uh, you got any other little, I guess, we've, I don't. we've talked about, there's flirtation after travel. <laughs> uh, they're, they're both European films. Yes. Um, they both uh, are, a like, almost fairy tale of time and place. Yes, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, because it's um, like Paris in the future slash past. Yeah, reminiscing they're both new about wave the past films, French New Wave and Irish exploitation New Wave. Yeah, well, mixed exploitation is the Irish Times says. Right, right. And we're always down um, for a new dash exploitation around here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they both consist of still images, some mm-hmm. moving, some not. Are you just uh, rereading ones you've already said? I am. I'm just. It's just a. It's just, just a. Padding. You know, a re a recap. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Do you have any other similarities? I do not. No. I don't either. That's why I'm doing the recap. Okay. Wow. I will say, you know, uh, it's been a long time since I've seen La Jete, and it was great. It holds up. Yeah, I agree. Um. And Wild Mountain Time. Honestly, I'll probably watch it again, knowing me. Really? Yeah, you know, I love Emily Blunt. She's great. Yeah, well, I love Emily Blunt, as in getting high and watching Le Jeté. <laughs> you know? <laughs> as in mon ami Le Blunt. <laughs> <laughs> mon ami The Blunt? Uh, well, I mean like ami Le Blunt. Emily right, Blunt. Right, you know? right. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was a okay. that was a forest. Very bad. Is Chris Marker still alive? No, he died in 2012. I remember. Oh, shit, really? I remember when it happened, yeah. I was, Where, was that a sad day for you? Well, I was on the jetway, and I saw... I was a, but a child, and I saw him <laughs> die. <laughs> then I realized, <gasps> it was I. I died. <laughs> you, wait wait a minute. You're Chris Marker? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, oh, wow. That, wouldn't that be so trippy? That's pretty cool, actually. To like put the plot twist into the podcast episode. Yeah, they and they they commemorated his death with a Chris marker, which is like basically those smelly markers. Right, they smell right. like this his ashes. Chris? They put his ashes in there, so it just smells like his charred corpse. Right. Is this right. disrespectful? I feel like it's uh, been ten, almost ten years. Uh, yeah, it's almost death happens to us all. It's true. We're all just. Little boys in the jetway watching ourselves get gunned down by f- the future. Yeah, man, that's friggin' truth. Yeah, yeah. that is that is uh, verite right there. Yeah, I know that you are a fuzzy and you believe yourself to be a bee on some. You really level. had to bring that up on the podcast, Mike? Yeah. Are you, you fucking kidding me? Go to fuzzy conventions. You're just outing me on the podcast right now. Well, that was secret information I gave just to you over. This podcast. You didn't give it to me. I found it on your laptop while you were using the washroom. I found your fuzzy forums. Yes. Uh. Just looking for hot stingers in Edmonton tonight. You were. You were. (laughs) Turns out there aren't that many, but there are a few. Yeah, you've seen all the stingers that are in Edmonton, pretty much. Many times. Many times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you've got a stinger. Come on by. <laughs> let me let me stick my uh, little whatever their bee hands are called in your honey. 
Now, now you know why I keep get, getting you little bottles of honey for your birthday. Oh yeah, okay. That's me trying to seduce you very <laughs> subtly, but only in a in a fuzzy kind of way. And then I bought you that bee costume, and you're like, "What's this for?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's uh, <laughs> for Halloween." <laughs> Isn't that weird? Wow. Yeah, and the jar of honey was labeled Mabarf. <laughs> and occasionally you just kind of like do little dances. And I'm like, yes. what's Bob trying to communicate? And then only now do I realize you're trying to communicate to me via dance. So on a side note, there's a massive nest literally on my balcony of honeybees. Oh, yeah. And uh, I've never been more happy with my new roommates. Never been. Yeah. Are they yeah. Are they providing honey for you? Uh, no, it's just mostly an infestation, to be honest with you. I can't oh. really go out on my balcony at the moment, but <laughs> don't know what to do because honeybees are great. So I yeah. don't want to get rid of them in the land. I'm trying to, I don't know. It's a whole thing. It's yeah. a whole thing. I'm figuring it out slowly, but surely. Also, remember we did that one film shoot where we got to interview the bee lady. Oh, that's and, right. And we yeah, got that to wear was beekeeper fun. uniforms and film bees in extreme close up. Yeah. Well, you got to, I was a, like a kilometer away or something. Oh yeah, you were. Yeah. Yeah, but that was that was fun. That was a fun day. Yeah, because the host of the show we were working on was allergic to bees. <laughs> yeah. And he had to interview and, a and bee wrote lady. a bee episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh yes, yes. Not all heroes wear capes. No. That's what I say. But all bees have stingers. Hmm. Which is actually not true. Yeah, that's Some not true don't. at all. <laughs> the worker bees don't, I think, right? Yeah. I think we, drone we learned bees all this. don't. Drone bees, that's the, right. That's right. Those are the same thing. What about the bone bees? Do the queen bees have a stinger? Yes. Mm. I believe so. Mm. That's also my nickname. What's that? In the uh, the queen bee. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you just basically lie on the bed at the convention and everybody just kind of clamors around you. <laughs> uh, how do you know all this? Because I was your plus one. <laughs> um. Uh, well, anything else to say about my uh, bee proclivities or about <laughs> these two films? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. All right. All right. It's I pretty. Dig it. I, dig I, it. I mean, we can't not have like some weird sexual um, thing going on with you. Well, we've we've made many digressions about me and like feet, <laughs> bees. Yeah. Being a furry, many, yes, many departures have been made just about me, yeah, which well, I, I mean, am so thankful for, Mike. You know, I wouldn't do it if it wasn't true. I love true. the attention, even if it's unflattering. Okay. Well, that's great. <laughs> Mike's like, great. I got a laundry list of things I want to talk yeah. about now. You're you're a freak. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to drink my bubbly and do this podcast. Yeah. Okay. What kind of bubbly are you rocking right now? It's a pomplamousse. Nice. Grapefruit for those who do not speak French. Yeah, um, I don't. Yeah, well, now you know. Pomplamousse means As grapefruit. people who listen to this episode will know, I don't speak French because I tried to pronounce French names and I butchered literally all of them. Well, like I butchered the Irish name. You and I both have had difficulty. Maybe that's the last similarity. Both films have cast members with a sort of for Anglo normies like us. It's difficult to uh, pronounce the names. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Any any last remarks about these two films before we wrap this mm. puppy up? <laughs> no, I do not have any more remarks about these two films <laughs> before we wrap this puppy up. Okay. Everybody right. watch uh, friggin' Lojete. It's like 20 minutes long. You can watch it on YouTube. You have no yeah, excuse. Yeah, it's free. And it is it is amazing. Like, it's absolutely entertaining. And yeah. uh, it's a great little piece of, like, film history. And, and Chris Marker is a really interesting filmmaker. Yeah. And it's also like sci-fi, you know, before sci-fi was really cool. Yeah. And it's it's creepy. Like some of the photos are so shocking. Yeah. Like with the costumes and the sort of dystopian stuff when they're living underground post-nuclear fallout. It's uh -huh. great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good movie. Watch it. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, if, you, if you need a laugh and you want to be calm, watch uh, <laughs> Wild Mountain Time. Yeah. Wild Mountain Thyme. <laughs> uh yes 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 um well this feels over this feels over all right well <laughs> thanks everybody for listening to from justin to kane uh, follow us on social media from justin to kane with the number two in there that's on right twitter 
Facebook, yeah. I guess, Letterboxd, Instagram, and give us a five-star review on um, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, or Spotify? No, you can't rate on Spotify, I don't know. I, can you? I, think you, I don't know you can. But. You can rate on uh, Apple, like the Apple Podcast mm-hmm. app, yeah. as well as uh, other services. Yeah, and uh, you know, tell your friends about from Justin Kane if you know people who like film podcasts who are into movies that are the same, mm-hmm. but are not. Wink, wink. If you know what we mean. If you know what we mean, yeah. Bye. <laughs> Great. Bye. <laughs>